As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Today's episode of The Leaf Report is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Man, lots of remote working for basically everyone. So you can find them on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. James, it is April. Happy April. How are you doing? Yay, April's here. So the season would be over by now, right? And we would be starting the postseason in the NHL. Is that right? We'd be flying to Tampa right now is what you and I would be doing. Ooh. It came up on my calendar on the weekend. Like, oh, you're, here's your hotel in, in Tampa and playoffs start in three days. And <laughs> I'm just deleting all that stuff out of my... <laughs> And on my calendar and my phone. Are you still... Hmm, how do I phrase this question? Are you still thinking about like playoffs? Like, Are you still imagining how it's going to happen, where it's going to happen? I know we keep seeing like all these reports and 
different leagues, planning different things? Like, how are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about it? Um, I, you know what? It's so far away that I'm, I'm more thinking about just in terms of the athletic and in terms of our Leafs coverage. And I'm more thinking about what the next, you know, three months look like, because even if the games come back, they're not coming back before July. So there's a lot of time between now and then, and there's a lot of, I think, still interesting things going on that we can talk about. And so, no, I'm not, I don't know. I'm more pessimistic right now that there's going to be playoff games in the summer than I was, I think, probably even last week or the week before. I, I think we talked about it two weeks ago, right? And we were saying we were like around, what did you say, 25% chance that there were going to be games? And yeah. And I was like 35% or something. I feel like I'm I'm less optimistic than I was even then. So you're coming to the 25% club? You're joining yeah, me? Yeah. 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 Or less. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm below that. It might be less. Um all right. We don't need to go too deeply into that kind of stuff. Unless you want to. I just find it very it's mood so, altering. Well, it's so speculative. Yeah. If it's gonna happen. I I don't know. It's one of those things that one piece of advice that I've I've gotten is kind of focus on what you can control and worry about what you can worry about. And it's like if if there are going to be games, then okay, you know, great. That'll like bring a little bit of normalcy back. And I, it sounds like if there are games, it's going to be with no fans at them, which would be really weird. I'm assuming there would probably still be some media at the games, although I don't know. Maybe that's too much it. of a... Maybe that's too much of a risk and maybe we would just watch it on TV and then there would be like a conference call that we call into and we hear from the coach and the players that way. I mean, that that could be the way that they do it. Um, so that would mean we wouldn't be traveling still. We'd still be stuck at home. And um, But, you know, I, I think that's good advice for everybody. Focus on what you can control and what I can control is, you know, keeping my, keeping my kids healthy and happy and, you know. <laughs> trying to enjoy the time that we have and trying to keep myself sane and busy and keep all of our other writers and, and editors and everything uh, busy. And that's, that's what we can control. Right. So that's the headspace I'm in right now. That's very good. Um, I think you should host your own podcast. Deep thoughts with James Myrtle. I don't know how deep, I don't know. It might be a short podcast. Be like, <laughs> be like a two minute podcast. Do you remember the deep deep thoughts uh, thing that used to be on Saturday Night Live? Did you ever see that? It was like no. in the nineties. Who was in that? Deep thoughts with Jack Handy, and then it, it was just like a, it, it it was no one in it. It was just a guy's voice, and he would say something ridiculous, and that was his deep thought, and that was the whole segment. It was pretty funny. It's before your time. It was like nineteen ninety four, I want to say. Interesting. Interesting. I wish you could go back and watch all those episodes. There probably is a way that I just don't know about. I feel like it was good then. That was like Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, you Chris know, Rock, Adam Chris Sandler. Far, Chris Farley. You know, there was there was a lot of really good people on there. Phil right, Hartman. Enough, enough nonsense talk. Well, that's not nonsense. That's good stuff. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. That was actually good. That was good advice. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um. But so speaking of things that you can control, one of the things that the Maple Leafs can control, nice segue, thank you, James, um, is the signing, Alexander Barbarov. Interesting signing. This has kind of been talked about um, speculatively in the last couple of weeks. 
Um, but the fact that they kind of win the sweepstakes uh, and get him onto their team for next year, whenever next year starts, whatever next year looks like, um, it it can feel like a small thing, but it's little signings like this that can end up being really important for the Leafs, as we saw with Ilya Mikheyev. We don't know what this guy will be, um, but what sticks out to you about them being able to kind of win this sweepstakes and, and get a guy like this onto the team? Well, it's interesting, you know, that like they've got a pretty stacked forward group and there were 20 teams trying to get this guy. I'm it's it's impressive that they're able to convince these guys to keep coming. I mean, I guess the poll is play for a good team and like an organization where I don't know, like it, it can't be about the money because. You know, the Leafs aren't able to give the kind of bonus structure that other teams are going to be able to give uh, a guy like Barabanov. And you wonder about him getting a, a contract. Like, and it can't really be about being with the franchise long term because that's really hard to guarantee yourself as well. So uh, it, it's it's interesting that there there's obviously, you know, I remember when uh, when they got Ojeganov and then when they got Mikheyev and uh, maybe I'm missing some other guys. A lot of people were crediting Mike Babcock with kind of his role in that. Um, obviously, Mike Babcock's gone and there's they're still uh, getting some of these marquee signings coming. So I think you got to credit Jim Pagliafito. I mean, that's who everyone in the organization talks about um, as 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 the person that's that's getting these that's finding these people and and building the relationship and getting them to commit. Um, I believe you might remember better than me, but I believe Mikheyev said that um, Pagliafito was someone that he saw way more than than representatives from other teams. So, you know, maybe it's a strength of, of the Leafs organization that they can have people on the ground um, more frequently in, in some of these leagues and in some of these countries than than some of their competition. And, and maybe that's what's paying off here. Well, and, and you'd have to think that if you're these players – you look at the examples of the guys who came before and you're like, they all got to play. They all got to play a lot. They're playing for a good team. They're playing for an organization that's obviously like world-class, um, good facilities, good, huge staffs. Like all those kinds of things would, would probably swell together. Like if I'm Barabanov, I'm looking at Mikheyev last year and I'm being like, this guy came in, he made the team, he played a lot, he played well. Uh, Zaitsev came in, made the team, played well got a huge contract. Obviously it didn't work out so well, but like Ojeganov came in, made the team, played a lot for most of the year. So I would just be encouraged if I was those players, but it, it, it kind of sounds like what you've touched on is, is also the truth that the Leafs have been committed to this for a while. Like I spoke to Barabanov's agent, Dan Milstead, and, and one of the things he said is the Leafs have been on this for years. Um, like this is not like a last minute, hey, you should come to our team. This is like, years in the making and Pagliafito is obviously a big part of that and that just kind of shows when you have all this money and all these resources if you can put it to work effectively it can really help you in a cap system because as we're going to get into today like a big part of the show today is going to be about the Leafs cap situation if you can nail a player like this especially when you're going to probably have to trade at least one forward that is huge in like the big picture scheme yeah, uh, I mean, we don't know what Barabanov's going to be, but he 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 signed an entry level deal, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, 
entry level nine two five. If if he's terrible or if he can't contribute, then either he'll go back to Russia or or he'll go to the minors for a little while. I mean, there's no. The Leafs are going to need a lot of these guys that are making league minimum or close to it, um, just to fill out the roster, especially with the impact of what's happening in in the rest of the world and kind of the the global economy and hockey revenues. You know, we're what we're going to talk about with the cap is it's probably not going to go up. You know, it's 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 possible. I don't. I wouldn't say likely, but it's possible that the cap goes down from eighty one point five million. But I would think it's highly likely that it's either flat from this season, or it only goes up a little tiny bit, and that's that's bad news for the Leafs for sure. Well, because as we'll get into um, in more detail, that means they are right up against it before they do anything. Um, and as you touched on last week, I think last week or maybe the week before, that likely means they're going to have to maybe just trade it forward just to get future stuff, just to clear some space. So if you do have to trade, whether it's – like I can't imagine you're trading Kapanen in that kind of situation, but let's say you have to trade Janssen. You need another guy who can potentially play in your top nine. He might not be it. But he might be someone who can do those kinds of things. And like, so as many guys as you have who can be cheap, who can play, you need it. Like, they're just in a situation. So, so let's get into it. Um, where do you kind of see their cap situation if the cap stays flat or it even potentially goes down or, or even if it just goes up a million? I, I played around with it just because I wrote about Tyson Berry and the potential of re signing him. And I just came away thinking they have no space. Like, they can't do anything without moving some pieces around. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to create some space for sure. And I I think the questions around re-signing Ilya Mikheyev are very real, and that's going to be a challenge. Um, I don't know what kind of a contract Travis Dermott's going to get. Um, looking, you know, looking at the cap puzzle, you know, I, I've got it in front of me here, and I've got, you know, I re-signed... Jason Spezza for league minimum, and because I'm pretty sure he's going to come back. I've got Barabanov on the team. I've got Nick Robertson on the team. Uh, I signed Ilya Mikheyev for around two and a half million, which I think is maybe the best case scenario if they can get him on that kind of a contract. Um, and you look at the defense, and you know that roster that I've got is two million dollars over the cap. If if it if it is a flat number, like and and the blue line is. Riley, Muzzin, Sandine, Hall, Callie Rosen, and Travis Dermott. Like it's, yeah. you know, they're losing Tyson Berry. They're losing Cody Cece. They're replacing them just with with young players. I don't think it's really a workable situation. And even if it was, they're still over the cap. So to echo what you said before, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to move some money out if they have any hope of of improving what they've got on the blue line aside from what they've got in-house. Well, and it's a really tough situation for them because obviously when they sign those big contracts, they're anticipating the cap continuing to go up, even if not by much, but even if it goes up a little bit each year, that gives them space. It's not like they could really have foreseen this, obviously, Um, but I guess this is kind of, I don't know, not a penalty, but this is what happens when you're so up against it year after year with not much wiggle room and lots of good players, like eventually you'll just lose them. Yes. I mean, it's, it's almost like the situation that Chicago 
got themselves into. Um, yeah. The dif- the difference being obviously that Chicago won three Stanley Cups in six years, and um, and and Chicago was kind of giving huge contracts to veteran players that had kind of paid for past performance a little bit with with some of the guys that they had, and now Chicago's in a tough spot where they're they're giving a lot of money to guys who are kind of on the downswing of their careers and Brent Seabrook and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the different difference with the Leafs is their guys got paid up front. Um, and to, due to circumstances outside of their control, the cap's not going to go up the way they thought they thought it was. And um, that makes things even tighter than they were otherwise going to be. And this, this environment where they're dedicating almost 50% of their cap to four players, it looks like that could be the case as long as they've for years. I mean, you include this season and next season and likely the one after. I mean, a lot of the talk I'm hearing is that wherever they set the cap, it could potentially be there for two or three years. So if they decide they're going to have an 82 or million dollar cap or whatever the number is going to be, it could sit there for a number of years. And that's really problematic for teams that have committed as much money three, four years, five years down the line as the Leafs have. Well, I wonder if that means you you kind of start to look at your roster if you're the, the Leafs front office and you kind of look at each individual contract and say, are we getting value from that contract? And if you're not, or it's close, maybe those are the guys like you move on from. Maybe it's that simple. Or surplus, obviously, in, in parts of your roster. I don't know. Like, how do you pick it apart? The other thing too, Jonas, is that if this is happening across the league, all of a sudden free agents are going to be getting less uh, yeah. on the open market. Um, teams that are up against the cap are going to be shedding payroll and trading players for less potentially than their value. There could be an inefficiency that that you want to be able to take advantage of. And if you're as cap strapped as the Leafs are, you're not a- you're not going to be able to participate in free agency. Like, what money are they going to have to be able to? Like, let's say there's really good players that are worth three or four million dollars in value that are forced to sign for one and a half million this summer. Um, that's going to be an advantage for the teams that are able to do that. And the Leafs are not going to be able to participate in that market. And they're not going to be able to take on contracts from other teams that are looking to shed payroll. Um, so there's there's some of those other thing outside things that are happening um, that, again, they, they have no control over. But, uh, you know, the, the fan base hates when this comes up, but in a situation like this where the cap might not go up for two or three years, it might actually make more sense to move one of their biggest contracts. And I understand why people hate that concept, but um, maybe it makes less sense to have the amount of money they have committed to these guys in this environment than it would otherwise. And you and I have both kind of been on the side of try and keep these players and try and keep this core together and try and win with this group. But that perspective is getting getting really stressed right now with what's happening. Well, so hmm. I have two thoughts on that. Obviously, the name that you would probably come to just in terms of the contract is is Marner. To me, that that's a no-go. You kind of know how I feel on that. I wonder if you go to the next layer and you look at, if you'd have to look at Riley, who's got a couple years left on his contract. You've talked a lot about Anderson, who's obviously expiring after the coming season. Same with Zach Hyman. But like the problem with a Zach Hyman is he gives you good value for what he's coming in at, 2.25. And I just don't know, based on what you said, like if, if teams are going to look at Frederick Anderson at $5 million and be like, yeah, we can, 
We want that. We can fit that. And then obviously for the Leafs, if you get rid of Frederick Anderson, you're going to need to replace him and pay basically the same amount of money. It's a really tough puzzle. Like I don't know. I don't agree with trading one of those big guys, at least not yet. Um, but I like I look at like Kapanen right now and that name sticks out as like a potential you can get stuff for later and maybe you can try to replace him internally. Like where would you turn first? Would you look at trading Dermot potentially depending on what that contract negotiation looks like? Like he's, I don't know. He was really intriguing at the end of the year. I don't know if I'd look at that. I don't, I don't know what I'd do if I were them, like how I'd prioritize. The question with some of that stuff though I have is like, so how much money is Dermot even going to get? Like look at his numbers and every Like it doesn't, he didn't really exactly earn a huge contract. So no, I think what you, what you do with him is, you qualify him and you go to arbitration if you have to and like how much money is he going to get if he gets if he gets a one year deal in arbitration or you know i mean what's he looking at one and a half million or something i mean i think you just squeeze him as hard as you can and you see like we still don't know what dermot is is he a top 4d no. i don't know like you can't sign him long term and i don't even know if you can sign a medium term right now cuz you don't know what he is so if you can get him for one and a half or 1.7 or something like that, and, he, and if he's only a third pair guy, that money is fine. And you just hope that he has a breakthrough season and he fits into your top four because they're going to need some defensemen. Like they're going to need Justin Hall to play better than he did the last, whatever, since he signed the contract, the last month of, of the season before the, the, the shutdown. Um, they're going to need guys to outperform their contracts and, and then you look at their forward group and they're so tight for money. I mean, like, I think you could move an Andreas Janssen and then either Nick Robertson or Barabanov or Mikheyev, you know, helps fill or, or Engvall or Spezza or like one of those guys can fill that third line spot uh, for less money. Um, or even in free agency. I mean, you, like I said, like there might be someone you can sign for a million bucks that gives you almost as much as Andreas Janssen and you have to make that move. Um, but even that, you make that, I mean... <laughs> you make that move and you move Janssen out and you put someone for a million bucks in his spot. That doesn't really free up money to spend anywhere else. That just gets you to where you're under the cap probably. Well, and so part of the problem you're, you're describing is specifically with the defense, like you're not improving the defense. Like the defense is, yeah. is not only standing still, it's, it's taking a step back. Now I would add yeah. like a big star asterisk to that. What you start the season with isn't necessarily what you finish with. If you start with all the guys you described, you can always make a trade mid-season and figure out the money and figure out a way to make it work. But I wonder if like in free agency, if there's an opportunity, I, I have two minds of, of what you were talking about in free agency. What happens to the top of the market? Like for guys like Barry, uh, Alex Petrangelo, TJ Brody, do those guys see their value come down? And is there maybe an opportunity, not necessarily on Petrangelo, who's going to be the top of the market, but maybe on like somebody like Brody or whoever, who maybe you can get for a little less um, yeah. than you might have I, in normal circumstances? Probably, but where does that money come from? Well, where, you'd have to did, trade someone up front, right? But even, I don't know, even then, I'm just, I, got it, I got it in front of me and like, I don't, yeah, it's still it's tight. It, it's not going to free up enough impossible. for you to sign. It's not it's not enough for you to sign like a three million dollar defenseman unless you you'd have to trade more than one piece away. Yeah, and then it's, you're yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, 
So, and, and we saw when they ran into injuries up front that the Leafs didn't look very deep. They were having a really hard time generating anything from, anything from their third and fourth line. So they're probably going to need, like Barabanov, him being good is all of a sudden, like it could be really important to their season. And you look, you know, you look at his numbers in the KHL and it's, he's had the one season with a really big offensive output. But other than that, you know, he's kind of been like a, and he's not as young as Mikheyev was. He wasn't kind of like, he doesn't have the profile of uh, someone who is a late bloomer who maybe um, had more to give. You know, he's he probably is what he is at this point. And well, he's like a year older. Is he? I think he's uh, he's twenty six in he's June. Like, twenty six yeah. in and June. And wasn't Mikheyev twenty five last year? Was he? I thought he was younger than that. But anyway, no. like. I just like I think Mikheyev just had like a higher ceiling in terms of what his numbers and everything look like. Yeah, Mikheyev. Actually, is... I think they're the same age. Yeah, right. Mikheyev's so... going to be twenty six in October. So he was same like age. a little over a year younger. Yeah, yeah. But but with but... a profile of someone who was producing a lot more, you know, who who scored more goals and he was basically well, one but... of the best. Mikheyev was one of the best players in the KHL, undisputably, when he left. Well, and look at how important like he is now to their team. Um, and you talk about if like, they can being keep able, him, if they can keep him. Well, he is RFA, um, so he can always just go back to Russia. Um, I don't know how you even start to handle that contract as well, just because he does have such a a limited track record. He looks like a, a legit top six winger, but he's played thirty nine games. Um, so maybe you do like a one or a two year deal and try to figure yeah. out what he is and then hope the cap goes up in a couple of years, something like that. Well, you talked to the agent. Did you get the sense that they're willing to give give the Leafs a break and on a one year deal? I don't I don't know. That hasn't been my impression of Dan Milstein and and I mean that's he he seems like he drives a pretty hard bargain with his clients. And I mean, good for him. I mean, that's the agent's job, but I just don't know that the Leafs are gonna get a break on this. Well, so I wonder how you Hmm. It it just feels very much like a puzzle, and your their their front office is going to have to figure out how to make these these pieces all work. Um, you've been kind of looking into like the cap situation for the league and like what the league is going to do. Where do you think it's going? Like, what do you think it's going to look like? You mentioned maybe it's two years, same cap. How do they decide all this stuff? Given that the revenues this year are just going to take a gigantic hit. Well, that's part of the reason why you keep the cap flat because the players are going to be at a deficit this year. Like the players are going to have been have paid more money than the league took in, even if the playoffs do end up getting played in July and August. And that money is going to have to be paid back to the league. And I don't think the players are just going to cut a check in September. I think they're, what's going to happen is they're going to have to pay that back over the next couple of years. So probably what you're looking at is really, really high escrow payments for the players for the next couple of years. And as a result, they're not going to want the cap to go way up because that's going to mean those escrow payments are even more. So if you're a player making $5 million a year, you could be losing 20% of your contract for the next couple of years. And it's, you know, the, and the real world pain that are being felt by a lot of people, probably a lot of people that listen to us. Um, you know, you look at how many people are on unemployment right now or losing their jobs or whose industries are being impacted. Um, that that's coming to hockey too. And I like, we're not saying 
woe are the players that they're losing 20% of their contracts, but it's just a reality that that's why the cap won't go up is because the more that they increase it, the more escrow pain there's going to be, and it's already going to be very painful. Well, what can the league do, if anything, to insulate teams? Like it, it's it's obviously it's not their intention, given what's happened. But it's not also fair to the teams. Like suddenly, these contracts that you sign one year are going to be wildly overvalued just because the cap hasn't gone up. Well, there's no guarantee the cap's going to go up every year. I mean, right. banking on that. There have been years in the past where the cap has been relatively flat and there was a new CBA being negotiated and there was no guarantee that, you know, obviously what's happened in the world was, you know, not to be anticipated. But I I don't know. I, I just think that planning on the cap going up three, four million every year, it, it can it can bite you, you know, and, and well, is it possible, James, they do something like they did? I think this was the after the lockout where they give teams like compliance buyouts that don't count against the cap, something like that. Like, do you think that's possible? Maybe. But even if they do that, that doesn't help the Leafs. Who are you going to buy? <laughs> Who are you going to buy? Right. Out? Like, it doesn't help a team like the Leafs, but it, it might but, help okay. some teams. Here's an idea I had. This happened after the last lockout um, because the cap stayed flat. Um, the half season that was missed, or no, sorry, no, I'm sorry. This was a this was the lockout where the full season was canceled in 0405. There was a rollback that came in. I believe it was. I want to say it was 20, percent and every player around the league had their salary rolled back. Now, that only got agreed to because the entire season was canceled and the players' union was broken and Bob Goodnow got forced out and it was they it was chaos. Could that potentially happen here? Could players agree for their contracts to be rolled back five or ten or fifteen percent? I think there's a lot of I. I haven't had anyone say that that's on the table, but if that did happen, where existing contracts could be altered, like the reality is right now that guys aren't getting their full contracts anyway. They were paying before this happened. The players were paying fourteen percent in escrow. So if you're making ten million, you're paying one point four million. That you're actually only making eight point six. And then you factor in everything that's happening here and the fact that escrow's going to go up in the years to come, potentially. You're not actually getting the amount that's on your contract. So they could decide to bake that in and roll these contracts back if the NHLPA agreed to it. Oh, baby. That seems like a big, huge ask and like a big, huge deal. But like everyone's, I don't know, like there's going to be a sacrifice here. I mean, I don't yeah. I don't see how, the, how that's avoided. But if you're talking about how can they lessen the pain on the teams if the player said as a group decided you know what the the number value on our contracts will bring it down by five percent that would be massively beneficial to a team like the Leafs because then all of a sudden all of a sudden you're not right up against the cap all of a sudden you know that's that's bought you another four million bucks you know on a 80 million dollar payroll so that that was one idea I came came to me the last couple of days but I don't know if you're going to get the players and the agents and everyone to agree to that. But I mean, the the thing is, is that the way that the NHL system works is, is with, um, with linkage is the players can only get 50% of the money. So it, all that would change is who's getting the money, how it's being moved around. So that would, you know, if you did the 5% rollback, let's say that would open up more money for free agents to get paid. 
Whereas in the system now, if the cap is flat, free agents are going to be really punished badly this upcoming summer or, or whenever free agency is. Well, and so that's the next thing I wanted to, to get to is what does... So I was thinking like the Leafs I'm looking at specifically, obviously, because that's the team we cover. So I've been thinking more and more like the roster could look a lot different. Like maybe they're going to have to do multiple things and get really creative. But then when does any of this stuff happen? Like when could you actually start changing your team for next year when you don't know what's going to happen with this year? And like, let's say the season starts, the playoffs start in July and things end in August and there's like a one month off season. Like it feels like it could be very hard to build your team for next year, given how much chaos is going to be around the league. No. Yep. Yep. That's fair. Yep. And that could be maybe a bit of an advantage for the teams that aren't part of the playoffs is that they've got more time to kind of get a lay of the landscape. But I'm sure that general managers like Kyle Dubas and and others around the league are thinking about all that stuff right now. They've probably got two scenarios in their head, like is there playoffs or isn't there playoffs? If there isn't playoffs, if the season is canceled, that's going to happen when? Like late June, early July probably. And then there'll be the draft. Then there'll be free agency. Uh, Then the cap will get set. When, once the season, if they decide that it's canceled and that's when you, you know, and then you've got time, but yeah, if, if they play the playoffs and they push the draft and free agency into September, <laughs> that's going to be, you and I aren't getting any time off. I'll put it that way. It's chaos because like, how are you, these are like franchise changing decisions, potentially whichever ones you make. <sighs> yeah. Like it's just kind of mind blowing mind-boggling mind-blowing to think about like how you would figure out what to do with your team in like a few short weeks i guess like it's it's not totally different for those teams that go on deep playoff runs and then there's the draft and then there's july 1st maybe it's just the same thing but given the position that the leafs are in given how tight they are and man i don't know i don't like they're gonna have to get really creative to try to figure this out because like you're trying to improve your team ultimately that like that's that's what seems like it's going to be most difficult is how to make this team better given the circumstance yep yep and i wonder if it's going to take some outside the box kind of i wonder if they're gonna have to think about moving out players that they might not have otherwise or yeah well i think your trade idea last week was like a smart kind of thing that they could be thinking of where we don't necessarily get back if we're, if I'm talking, if I'm the Leafs, we don't get back something that's going to help us right now, but maybe it's like a really good prospect or maybe it's a pick. Like maybe it's something that insulates you a little later. I don't know. Like I, I just don't know how, I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I made the example. I think this was the trade. I, I gave you the example when we were talking on the phone of, uh, Florida traded um, Good Branson to Vancouver, I believe, for Jared McCann. I, I can't remember right. if that was the entire trade or not, but like that was a, that was one where they, there was a you're getting a younger player with a much lower cap hit. You're moving out some money, um, so maybe you can trade an Andres Johnson for a younger player who's going to be as good for less money, if not right away, then then at some point down the line, and that that could be the kind of trade that the Leafs are going to have to look for. Man, that's hard. It's going to be very difficult. Yeah. It's going to be extremely. Well, sorry to uh, interrupt you, but it's like, it's like the same. Everybody is dealing with uncertainty in their lives. This is just their unique uncertainty and that they don't know what this is going to look like. I, it kind of brings to mind, uh, I got to talk to Brendan Shanahan a couple weeks ago and you had helped me kind of craft some questions. And one of the things um, that kind of came up 
um, with Shanahan is how they're trying to think about what their team is going to look like. And he basically said, like, they have no idea. Like, they don't know what this the landscape is going to look like. He said, basically, nobody in any business can can look into the future and see what the the world is going to look like. I Like, I just wonder if you're the NHL, you're the league right now, how you advise teams on how to handle anything. I, maybe well, that's, you can. That's maybe why they're hoping... Guessing. They're hoping against hope there's going to be playoff games and that the damage to the business is less than like what what happens to the TV contracts that, you know, Sportsnet and NBC and some of the regional partners, they paid all of this money to air games and now they're being decimated because advertising revenues have completely disappeared. You talk to anyone in retail, their business is gone right now unless you're a grocery store. Everything's closed. And you talked to, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who works for a, a marketing advertising agency. All their clients are gone because there's no advertising. So if yeah. you're an advertising based business in the media, whether it's TV or magazine or, or, or newspapers, your, your business is getting decimated as well. And it's, there's, there's a knock on effect that affects a whole bunch of different things here. But if you're, if you're the TV broadcast partner, aren't you going to want some money back? If you've paid, 200 million in the case of the NBC deal or close to 500 million in in the the Sportsnet deal for national rights to the NHL and there's no playoffs and they missed 15% of the regular season and I mean you still have to pay out the same I don't I don't know the legalities of of what's in those contracts or whatever but yeah I can imagine that the league wants to play games in 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 the case of MLB and and I know the Premier League's talked about this with the, the the TV partner Sky. I think it's called Sky Sports is the TV partner for the Premier League. They're asking for mm-hmm. eight hundred million pounds back or something like that. Like it's it's. Well, um, I can't imagine James that that's written like there's anything in the contracts that that like I wonder what uh, like so little apparently lines you could have in the contract. Apparently, the NBA CBA has something in there about like if there's a war or something and like there are games canceled, there's like provisions in there for how they handle like how players get paid and stuff. I don't know if the NHL CBA has anything like that, but it's it's been contemplated. And I, I think that future CBAs are going to be written and future probably TV deals are going to be written a lot differently now that we've been through something like this. I wonder if we come back, if if the new world order is going to be, there's going to be a lot more of this kind of just on earth where more and more people are relying on, as opposed to commuting all the time, they're going to be relying on uh, telecommuting and things like that, as opposed to, um, you know, as opposed to face-to-face. Like, I wonder if we're going to, I wonder if travel is going to change, you know, maybe, maybe we're not flying to different places for meetings and things like that. I think... Lots of stuff will definitely change just because this is how innovation happens, right? Something crazy happens or some unexpected event happens and people have to change the way they operate and come up with different ideas, different ways to work. Like, I wonder how the restaurant industry changes. I wonder how everything is going to change, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's scary stuff. Um, so you're, you're going to be writing about the Leafs cap situation for this week. So people should stay tuned to that. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a really, really tough spot that every team is going to be in, but especially the Leafs, given how they built their team. I, I saw, I don't know if you saw this, Jonas, but Dom's going to be doing kind of like a, a simulated playoffs. So the Leafs are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, and there's going to be a result of that series at some point on our site. And uh, he wants me to write something about the outcome of that series. So I get to write about uh, a fake 
playoff series <laughs> that that didn't actually happen. I think that's going to be on the site Friday or Monday. So, and we're going to be doing it for every and there's going to be a fake second round and third round and Stanley Cup champion and we're we're trying to have some some fun with this stuff and there have been some really good stories on our site over the last few weeks and it's it's been really encouraging actually to see how many of our subscribers are still reading what we're doing and tuning in and and being a part of what we're doing. Is that story literally going to be fake news? <laughs> Well, the connotation Literally. with fake the connotation with fake news is that you're you're making something up or something, right? Like it's but yeah, which so you are. but no, but we're being very transparent about what it is. It's I know. Jeez, it'll man. it'll be interesting to see what the reception's like to 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 crowning our our fake Stanley Cup champion in in June. Are they, like you get them on a conference call, congratulations. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that. No. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back uh, next week. I think we'll have a guest next week. We're trying to mix it up, right, James? Yep. And if people have feedback on guests that they want to have us to have on the podcast, then then let us know. And you know, we're hopeful that that we can have um, you know maybe some Leafs players or people from the organization at some point too. So if this is going to go on for three or four months, then um, yeah, we're going to get creative with the show, and and we appreciate the feedback we get from you. Okay, so go to theathletic.com slash Leaf Report if you haven't subscribed. James is going to be writing about the Leafs cap situation this week. Uh, I've got a story up right now on Tyson Berry and whether the Leafs should re-sign him. Uh, I'll be writing about Alexander Barbarov at some point today. Josh Cloak has a story on... What did I call him? Barbarov. 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 Barabanov. Yeah. Josh Cloak is going to be writing about Sheldon Keefe today. So there's going to be lots of stuff, Leafs, on the site. And obviously at some point soon, the fake Stanley Cup champion will be announced. Right, James? Yeah. You think the Leafs are going to win the fake the fake championship? That'll be the I one like, that they win. I like their chances. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we will talk next week. Thank you for listening to everyone. Stay safe. Uh, be well. Take it one day at a time. And James, I will talk to you soon. 